Hello and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Spiros. And I'm Kim. And we're here to talk about Supergirl episode 7 of season 2 called The Darkest Places. Uh, definitely an apt title this week. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was boring. You know, I kind of agree. Yeah. <laughs> it was straight up boring. Like there was a lot of stuff going on, but it was it, it was kind of a plotting episode mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, let's run it down. So uh, one of the things that I'm liking is it seems, at least for the last, what, two episodes now, we've started out in the new Alien Bar, and this is like the fun time hangout. Yes. And I kind of like those scenes. Those are fun. Um, But uh, this was like a packed up scene at the same time, right? So they're drinking, whatever. But but before that, Mm -hmm. the show starts off with a bang. Oh, yeah. Supergirl gets thrown through a wall. And you see John Johns did it, and you're like, what? Did he turn evil with alien blood in her, or what's going on? That's right. And that was literally like a 30 second. seconds. You just see them fighting. He throws her through a wall. Uh, she says something. Why are you doing this? And he says, because it's time for you to die. Right. And then we cut to the bar. So so you know it's a flashback or a forward or whatever. A forward. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it like was that. unclear if it was, you know, like a dream sequence or a flash forward. But it was clearly, you know, meant to be something impactful. Yeah. Well, as soon as like no one woke up, I knew it was a fast forward. Right. Right. Know? Yeah. Initially, I thought it was a dream scene, but mm-hmm. anyway, so from there, we cut to the bar, and like there's a lot of stuff being dropped here, right? You have like the TV in the background, uh, running news reports about the Guardian, running around town, doing vigilante, taking down bank robbers and stuff like this, uh, and you have um, Kara and Alex and Wynn and James all sitting around drinking, discussing the merits of the Guardian. And Wynn likes the bar because he likes the food, and he says it tastes like chicken, and then someone's like, how do you know it's chicken? And then he kind of gets weirded out a little bit. Right, which was kind of amusing. And then you got Jimmy like saying, oh, the Guardian's great. And oh, love him, love him. And it's like, whatever, Jimmy. And Kara's all like skeptical about the Guardian, which I found to be interesting. I mean, on the one hand, I can see her point of view, right? Because he's running around in a mask. Um, she lives in this world where as of right now... Okay, and this is the the curious and the interesting thing, okay? We know that we as the watchers know that Supergirl is now a part of the DC or the yeah, the DC TV universe with Arrow, with Flash, with the Legends of Tomorrow. But up until this point in the season of Supergirl, there is no connection to the rest of that universe. So we don't really know if in this world that she lives in, there are other like masked superheroes slash vigilantes. We know Superman's out there clearly because we've seen him. Outside of Superman and Supergirl, yeah, we don't know. We don't really know. <clears throat> so her argument is that, you know, the why is he got to wear a mask? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... While she doesn't wear a mask, she wears glasses, (laughs) which presumably is enough to confuse all of Um, humanity and and distinguish her from Supergirl, Kara from Supergirl. She doesn't even like change her hair up or anything. I know, know? right? It's like, come on. Yeah. Well, we went. Remember though, we went to a panel at one of the uh, comic book convention this was like ages ago were you even there with me no it's not recalling this was a my first comic book convention so this was decades ago literally decades ago in chicago way before it was wizard world and i went to a panel uh where the discussion was 
does putting on or taking off glasses really change how Clark Kent looks, or is the whole world just dumb? Yeah, the whole world's dumb. That was the conclusion yeah. of the panel. Thank you. At I any didn't rate, need to go to that panel, and I could have told you they <laughs> it was a fun discussion. Long. At any rate, she's you know she's obviously skeptical about this guardian dude and the fact that he has a mask on. And Jimmy and Win are like, "What are you talking about? This guy's amazing, right?" Mm-hmm. And you can you know there's they're throwing knowing looks back and forth, and you can like see their giddiness yeah, about they it. They want which, to tell them, but... right? I, and I kind. Kind of liked that because they're clearly high on this experience of of you know being the guardian team. And then while they're talking about this, we have a flashback to I don't know the night before. Some Jimmy's dressed up as the guardian. He's kicking some butt during an arm truck robbery. Right. Then we flash back to the bar, and Wynn is like, "Well, his suit photographs really well," <laughs> which was just <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. And then Alex walks in, and she's like, "He's got a sidekick." Mm-hmm. No, a partner. Uh, yeah, a partner. Um, but then she demotes him to sidekick. Sidekick, yeah. <laughs> and um, Wynn was not amused about that. Yeah, he didn't like being called a sidekick. No. That was pretty funny. And ba- basically, they're like, vigilantes are just nuts, you know, from past experience and mm-hmm. whatever they don't know about the Guardian. Right. So uh, that's all going down. And then Maggie walks in and she's like, Alex! And it's like total awkwardness. Yeah. And Alex introduces Maggie to everyone and... Kara's like, yeah, I've heard a lot about you. I'm like, oh, you. <laughs> yeah, but they they step away. They have a little bit of a com- bit of a conversation, and, and Alex is totally bitchy towards her. Yeah, I mean, totally like 100%. bitchy. It was just it was just rude. Well, I mean, you know, she was rejected, and like she literally came out to approach this relationship with her. So after being spurned, you can't blame her for being cold and essentially she's you know she's trying to ghost uh at this point and just disappear from maggie because she's not answering any of her calls or texts or anything like that so maggie tracks her down at the bar to confront her about it and they have this conversation the end of the conversation they're quote unquote still friends but clearly maggie uh or i mean alex is not okay with this and and we'll get back to that later then alex is like where's monel i thought he lived at the bar and then we cut to cadmus and monel is in a cell yeah and this is this was super amusing because the writing where Monel is basically talking about like his observations of human society <laughs> and culture is pretty amusing. And he's trolling the guard is what he's doing. Yeah. So the guard's walking back and forth and Monel notices he has a ring. So he's like, uh, you must be mated. I, I heard that if you like it, you should put a ring on it. And it looks like you were successful about that. <laughs> Although he goes on to pretty much say that the guy's ugly and he doesn't know how. Uh... No, no, no. The, that the wife is ugly. Oh, the wife first is of ugly. all, yeah, because I he, he was says he was ugly. Well, a little bit of both, because first he said something about the the wife and like, what do you call a person who's not good looking? And and is it a cat? No, a dog. A dog. And then the guy's like, you know, shut up or whatever. And he keeps trolling the guard. And finally, the guard. Uh, reacts, which is what Monel wanted. So he goes to shoot him, right? And Monel grabs the gun and he grabs his badge. Yep. And he gets himself out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's about to escape. Yeah. And what happens is, as he's like at the door, he's swiping the badge to to get out. We see Jean Jean's in the form of Hank Henshaw pop out of this room, uh, being held by a couple of Cadmus agents, and he's like. Uh, go run, run, escape, go! And Monel's like, hey, you know, uh, I gotta help you. John John's is telling Monel to run, and Monel's like, I can't leave you here, yeah. basically. So he gives up, and and he's back in the cage. And at this point, I have in giant, I have in caps. I should stop calling them giant letters because there really is a word, and it's called caps. 
um, is it really John? Right. That and was my thought at that point. Yeah, and like, I was the same too. I'm like, this has got to be a decoy of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like something's going on here. So from there, we cut to the DEO and Megan is checking in on John Johns. And then all of a sudden, John sees his family um, and, you know, is he having a vision? Is like at first I thought he was like getting psychic powers, you know, from her blood. Okay, that's what I was hoping for. That would have been interesting. Wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah, that would have been cool. You know, we don't know what the White Martians' powers are. Yeah, but I mean, later on in the show, I mean, I guess they still could have psychic visions, but you know, wondering is it a side effect of her blood? And um, you see that his hand is still shaking. Right. So it's definitely a side effect uh, of the blood, and we'll find out more about this later, but. Here, and, and this is what we're talking about. Like, this episode is jam-packed. A lot of cut scenes. And here, we're going between different stories again. So there's less cohesiveness. Although, all roads sort of lead to the same place. But at the same time, it's not really because you have the Guardian whole storyline. is this separate thing that we're dealing with. And then we have, uh, you know, this whole Cadmus situation. And then we have Jean Jean's situation. So there's a lot going on here. But anyway... From uh, the DEO, we cut to the bank. Uh, This is like in real time now where the Guardian is doing his Guardian thing. And uh, and my observation at this point was that the Guardian is fighting better than Supergirl typically fights. Mine was he's freaking Batman. You know, that's that what he that's what he is to me. And it's just he does. I do not like the Guardian. (laughs) He just needs to go away. And I'm bored of him already. I mean, he has, I don't know, whatever some thing that ends up tying the guy upside down well it's just like some sort of a he shoots out like a grappling hook yeah, essentially so it was totally bad right right and it was totally batman and even his voice is all like rumbly or rocky whatever you want to say batman's is and i i'm i'm over the guardian <laughs> that's all <laughs> well somebody's trying to make the guardian look bad because he's kicking some butt he uses one of his grapple hook slash lines to rope up one of the bad guys and walks away from the scene after having a little banter with the bad guy, basically saying, you're going to need a lawyer because the cops are on the way. And and then he walks away and some other dude walks up and just machine guns the bad guy, like <laughs> flat out murders him. That was awesome. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, and I knew where the next scene was going to be before we even cut to it, which was the Cat Co. Uh, And I was surprised and happy to see Snapper, although he was in there for all of like three seconds. But the words he said were meaningful and important. Snapper. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jimmy's all like, oh, what'd you hear about the Guardian? And he's all, you know, walking on cloud nine because the Guardian's awesome. And Snapper's like that he's a murderer, basically. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy's (laughs) like, what are you talking about? He didn't murder nobody. And uh, and Jimmy uh, is is defending the Guardian. And Snapper basically says, uh, yeah, you've got confirmation bias. And uh, you need to, you know, you're you're just like one of them. You're in the tank with the superheroes. You're BFF with Superman. So right, I mean, right. You know, and you gave, um, he said something about giving Supergirl a whole bunch of. Yeah, like 32 out of the last 40 headlines yeah. or something like that. He spit and out some statistic about all the Supergirl cover stories. At first when he said that, I was thinking that he was giving Kara the interviews and stuff. But then I'm like, no, he means Supergirl. I'm like, the okay. actual stories, yeah, right. Yeah, the actual stories. Yeah, so that's the end of the interaction with Snapper. And then Wynn comes in and he's like, I need to talk to James Olsen. This is something only yeah. James Olsen can he's take care of. Out. Yeah, Wynn's like freaking out. 
And because, he's like, we have to shut down this Guardian thing. And right. I'm like, thank you, Wayne. Please shut it down. Just shut it down. But already. James is like, this is not being shut down. Oh. So the best line of that whole scene, the, the, only, the only thing I liked about that scene between Wynn and James was uh, Wynn's parting line, which is, why am I strong enough to say no to joining your fantasy football league, but not to this? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> And by the way, just talking about fantasy football, if you haven't watched the league, you need to oh, watch Oh, you should totally show. watch the league. We don't play fantasy football, but the league is awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so all of a sudden, Jimmy has a lead on a huge drug shipment that's coming in. And my thought is like, where do you get these leads <laughs> from? You know, I mean, okay, sure, you know, you're part of a media thing and maybe like people are just dropping leads in the mail and sending them to you. I don't know, but... You know, I thought that was really stupid. It was convenience is what it was. It, it was, was lazy. It was lazy writing. It was. And and you can see, I mean, when you're packing this much crap into an episode. You have to do easy You've got to cut some corners. And so that's, you know, and, and I mean, presumably you could say that the Guardian was out on the streets beating this out of his bad guys or whatever, but. Jimmy doesn't beat people up. Well, he does. I mean, he does. I mean, he does, <laughs> but not for information. You know what I mean? Well, at least that's not what we're seeing. I don't think he does yet. Yeah. You know, so, give him maybe three episodes. Right. So, so, John John is doing... What is that martial arts that's really slow? What is tai Chi. Thank you. I could not think of it. I'm like, what is that called? So, we're at the DO. John John's is doing some Tai Chi. And, uh, you know, he's having these visions of his family... Um, and apparently his family, his <laughs> wife is, and daughter were named Kim and Tanya. And my first thought <laughs> was a totally human names for the, his Martian family. Yeah, I mean, if they were on Earth, if they assimilated here, okay, and switched their names to Kim and Tanya. But they never came to Earth, did they? No. They got killed They were on killed planet, by so... the Martians like 300 yeah. years ago. Killed. Kim and Tanya? What? Yeah, that's a little that's weird. weird. <laughs> anyway... Uh, my my thought about that was that John Johns clearly still has anger and rage and survivor's guilt uh, over the murder, not of just his family, but of his entire race. And clearly this is important because we've known from the previous episodes uh, that he's going to find out that Megan is a white Martian, and that's coming. So during the time that John Johns is telling um, Kara about, you know, his wife and daughters, his two daughters, um, she starts... I have speeching now about love. I mean, she just goes on a rambling speech about... Speechifies, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like... Basically, she was saying that, you know, his family wouldn't have wanted him to be miserable for the rest of his life, and he's allowed to be loved, and if he is interested or wants to be with Megan, like, that's an okay thing. Um, that was the gist of her speech. But, and then I have, why are her monologues annoying me so? I mean, <sighs> seriously, every time she starts just going on, I'm just annoyed. I don't know. To me, I mean, it doesn't. I don't find them annoying, but I think sometimes they're a little heavy handed. And, and maybe that's why they annoy you because they are heavy handed. Then I'm starting to think, you know, like how we've watched other series and we always end up like not liking the main character. Yeah, like you know? when we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my God. Buffy you... turned out to be our least favorite character in the show. Not that we. I mean, there were a lot of things about the writing. And about the way the show played out that made us not like Buffy as much. Because, like, she got so whiny as an example. Yeah. So it seems like, right now at least, they're giving uh, Kara a lot of speeches. And, you know, she's coming from this... And my thing is, how can she be giving these speeches when, like, the very first episode of the season was, I need to go find myself. You know, how can you speech about... How can you be so knowledgeable about things when just six episodes ago you were like... I don't know what to do with my life, you know? Yeah. I just, it doesn't flow right. I mean, maybe if this was season five or something, okay, you can speechify. But at this point, I'm just like, 
no. That's a really good point, especially when you consider the fact that 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 whole storyline basically is, has at least at up to this point been abandoned. Yeah. I mean, the only time we spend at Catco has nothing to do with anybody really actually working there in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like we don't see Kara uh, doing any reporting at all. No. You know, like she's not working at all mm-hmm. except for DEO Supergirl stuff. Um, so like the whole personal conflict and her kind of finding her own way, that's been abandoned. I've talked about this whole alien amnesty thing and how that's supposed to work being abandoned. Although the central conflict of the episode and the, the season in general is the whole aliens versus humans thing, which boils down to race essentially, yeah. um, that the whole amnesty thing has, has played zero uh, part in that story ever since the episode with Linda Carter when they signed it and made it a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. And and that, that really is a, a good point because the fact that at the beginning she was like, you know, I don't even know what job to pick and now can, she can speechify about everything. It doesn't no. play right. No, it does not. It does not. Right. So uh, from there we cut to the wharf and the Guardian is uh, breaking up the gun deal or the drug deal that he got his hot lead on from (laughs) From thin air. Right. And and of course the machine gun vigilante shows up and we have no idea what this guy's name is or Mm -hmm. anything. All we know is that he's wearing armor that is not entirely unlike the Guardian's armor. The only difference is he's got a giant machine gun hand and a great big bandolier hanging off of it. So like throughout the entire episode we never find out where he gets his armor from. Yeah. Cadmus doesn't give it to him. Yeah, he's you know? he's he's a legit vigilante, like he just lone actor. Mm-hmm. So um they fight and uh I, I thought of him as the DC Punisher because he's yeah. like, you know, yeah. I, I thought we could be allies to the Guardian, but the Guardian, Jimmy's like, Well, I don't kill people and and this guy's like, Well, that's too bad. <laughs> and then he shoots a guy. <laughs> and then he shoots a guy. <laughs> right. And the police show up and you have Supergirl converging on the wharf because she wants to take down the Guardian. But like in midair, she's flying, and I'm not entirely sure how this works, but Somehow Cadmus has the tech to like radio frequency Supergirl's brain. Yeah. Because you have the lady who's running Cadmus like talking in Supergirl's head. Yeah. But like right before that, and this annoyed me too, um, you have Jimmy saying you're making a mistake in his Batman voice. And then he throws a smoke bomb or something and disappears. That was with the cops, right? Because the cops showed up, the machine gun vigilante runs off. And so here we have the guardian with another dead criminal. And obviously the cops think it's him. But I mean, once again, Batman voice, smoke bombs, right. little doohickeys that Batman uses. It's like. How many Batmans can you have? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. There I'm, can be only one true Batman. <laughs> well, and we all know who that is. Because I'm be. Batman. No. Well, did he? Was he that? Well, anyway, continue. <laughs> can you talking? guess which Batman is my favorite? <laughs> Put in the comments below who you think it might be. Anyway, Supergirl diverts from the Guardian to go to Cadmus. Because Cadmus says, if you don't come here, I'll kill Monel. Right. So she goes. So she goes. Yeah. And and from there, uh, we cut to Cadmus. And uh, she she lands in there. Crashes through a window. Crashes through a window. And out the door walks Hank Henshaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, the initial assumption is supposed to be that this is Jean Jean's in the Hank Henshaw form, but it turns out this is the quote unquote real Hank Henshaw. Yeah. And they throw down, but once again, Supergirl's getting her ass handed to her, mm-hmm. um, which is far too typical, in my opinion, for a super powered Kryptonian. Yeah. 
And and he kicks her butt and throws her in a cage right next to Monel. Uh, but during the fight scene, we had another kind of cool bit where she used her heat vision to melt off part of his face, and it yeah. turns out he's some sort of android slash Cyborg. enhanced. Yeah, and and he declares himself um, Cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman. Yeah, and I'm like, what, what the hell? <laughs> That's what I said. Like, seriously i, I mean, mean can't he just be a cyborg just well let him be a cyborg i mean this is stuff that they're pulling in from the comic books right I know. so That's i it. i get this i kind of agree because like you know you have S- S- superman and, and a lot of these other comic book stories that have decades and decades and decades of history and they're gonna they're gonna draw from that that's fine um but at the same time it's like i don't think in, a, in an hour tv show that happens on a weekly basis you know, where we already have all this extra stuff packed in here. Like, I don't think you need to pull in every single super variation Mm -hmm. that exists out there, right? Are we going to get like Wonder Boy or whatever that (laughs) that weirdo was called and like the Lightning Supermans? I mean, you know, tell tell us a good story. Don't just pack it full of fan service. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was part of the problem with, um, in my opinion, with the second new rebooted Star Trek movie. The whole con. It was was like nothing but fan pandering. It was was terrible. We differ on those thoughts. And this isn't isn't all fan pandering, right, what they're doing in Supergirl. But I think this is one of those episodes where it's just overpacked. It's it's too much. Mm -hmm. So uh, so he's, he's, you know, he's Cyborg Superman. Like, that's what we know. And from here, we're back to the DEO. And (laughs) Alex is looking for Supergirl. And this, like, this this blew my mind, right? Because if you remember a few episodes ago, um, Hank hadn't checked in for whatever, like two hours. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, we got to go find Hank. Something's wrong. Yeah. You know, he's not answering his phone. Uh, break out the cavalry, right? Yeah. Supergirl's been gone. Monel's been gone for, for a, long time. a long time, not answering their phone calls or nothing. And they're like, eh, they'll be back in a bit. It's yeah. cool. Like, they're so cavalier about like, it. I'm like, come on. Like, I think they thought Monel was just sleeping with some woman. Didn't they? Yeah, I think to they, that? Did, they did allude to that, which is fine because Monel's not like a superhero, right? He's just a dude. But Supergirl's not checking in. And she was on her way right, there. Right. So it's like. To me, like, her not checking in after flying out to, to presumably deal with the Guardian. Yeah. Alarms should have been raised and they should have been wondering where she went because she's she's just gone. But they're like, eh, she'll be back later whatever. or something. Like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but this this was another great scene in the show because after we have that whole bit, um, Wynn is like obliquely trying to convince... Uh, well, not obliquely, but Wynn is trying to convince Alex to get Maggie to lay off the Guardian yeah. without spilling the beans that he and Jamie are together the Guardian. And then finally Alex just throws him against the wall and says, tell me. I have <laughs> like 10 different ways I can kill you with my pinky. Yeah. So he he gives up the goods. He tells Alex. Alex is about to call Kara. Um, but Wynn says, no, you can't tell her yet. And she agrees. And then she smacks Wynn upside the head. <laughs> Which was my favorite part. And what I have written here is Alex throws him against the wall. He breaks. He tells James is the guardian. And I put, what? Yay. It didn't take a ton of episodes. But. Oh, and then I, and then because Alex is going to tell. And then I put, no, of course not. Alex is not going to tell now. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> 
So I want to pause for just a second because it sounds like we're, I mean, we are tearing down this episode a little bit. Yeah, because it was boring. And there's, a, I think there are a lot of problems here, but we're doing this because we love this show. Yes. And, and we want it to be yeah, awesome. Yeah, we want it to be better, right? And it is good, and, but and I we think, want things better. And here's what's interesting, right? Like, this is total like side note, but uh, very briefly, I hopped on Facebook today because Kevin Smith was doing a Facebook Live Q&A about his directing the Flash episode that we'll be watching tomorrow night. And uh, he was talking about tonight's episode or last night's episode, this week's episode, and how great it was, he said. And he even said they packed so much stuff in there. And when he said that, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be one of those episodes. And it was. And and I disagree with Kevin Smith on this. His, you know, his impression, although we didn't talk about it a lot, was that this was a great episode. And I don't think it was a great episode. It was an okay episode. It moved a lot of storylines along, but I don't think it was very exciting to watch or fun and, and, and engaging to watch. No. So anyway. It was not. Yeah. Uh, from there, we cut to Cadmus, and Supergirl's in her cage. She's next to Monel. She's trying to break out. Monel says, this is the nth metal from some space planet out there. It's unbreakable. She can't break out. Uh, and they were talking. I, I just spaced out again. Yeah, they had like a little kind of heart to heart. I spaced out. I'm like, I don't, I do not care at this point. I'm just like, <laughs> and the only thing I got out of, the, out of that is Mike saying, day, the day just keeps getting better by the second. That, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't remember what else, I don't remember what they said in that whole scene. Other than that, it, it's nth metal and and it's. I don't even remember that. I do. I wrote it down because I wanted to know. I wanted to be able to note there was a reason she wasn't able to just rip out of that cage. I figured the cage would be lined with like kryptonite so that yeah. she couldn't break it out, but. Apparently they and use nth metal. Don't you think later on they're like when they make her do what they do to make her more human? Why didn't they just line it with kryptonite? Then she wouldn't have done what she done because no she would already be humanish. Right, and if they can get the nth metal from rando planet, why out, can't they get kryptonite? Exactly, exactly. So anyway, like that scene is literally like a minute. You know, maybe it's literally just they're in the cage. She tries to break out, and he says you can't break out. We switch to the parking garage where Alex asks Maggie to lay off the guardian. She she's doesn't like, even ask her. She just tells her. Yeah, she does. She tells her. She's being, she's still being. She's uh, being the word that I cannot say. <laughs> and it starts with a C. <laughs> and and Maggie's like, you want me to just, you know, lay off my prime suspect? I can't do that. Uh, you know, you got to give me something. And she's, Alex is it's classified. classified. Which, I mean, okay. If at ma- that point, if I was Maggie, I would have whipped her the finger and said, <laughs> listen here. And I would have just walked away. But at this point, Alex dumps on Maggie. And, and I put down that she speechifies. But this, I thought, was actually a powerful moment. No, this was moment. good. This yeah, was nice. She did speechify, but it was well done. This exactly. was, in my opinion, this was the best part of the entire episode. Because mm-hmm. it was an actual, real human story moment so who's that connected ever everything. writing Alex's coming out story needs to write awesome. the entire everything. Right. Right, because Maggie just assumes that after rejecting Alex, they're going to be friends and everything's going to be okay. And Alex is like, "Uh, no, okay, Uh, you know, you called me out for having feelings for you, and I examined that, and then you encouraged me to come out to my sister. So I did, because I had these amazing feelings for this woman being you, and then you tell me that, you know, I'm fresh off the boat and we can't be together, and... 
Like, That's not pain. cool. Yeah. yeah, all I feel is pain, right? So Alex legitimately has a reason to be upset with Maggie. And Ma- Maggie's treating it like, oh, we're gay friends now and everything's going to be, <laughs> you know, happy and gay. And it's, you know, <laughs> you can't toy with that? people's with big the... gay owls, big gay boat ride. That was South Park. No, no, the gay superheroes. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, there's two. They made me laugh. <laughs> anyway, we're back at the DEO, and now we've officially upgraded uh, Kara to missing along with Monel. And I don't get this because if they're actually assuming that Monel is missing, again, why haven't they been looking for him before? Yeah. And John Johns is freaking out. He's having more visions, and he draws his gun to shoot what looks to be like a, a big bad alien. Uh, but Alex is like, you know, no, no, don't shoot. And it turns out it's just a DEO agent and John's is, is having visions. And then they just went on with their lives. Yeah. You know, if I was that guy standing oh, at the and, top and of the stairs. And his hand shakes again. And his hand shakes. If yeah. I was that guy at the top of the stairs, I'd be like, um, excuse me? <laughs> be like, uh, let's, let's well, figure out what's going on here. Actually, no, John did say we need to run some more tests. <laughs> so they go to run tests. But we don't see that because they cut. No. We have to go back to that guy. Come on. That's just... Sorry, dude. I almost shot you. Sucks to be you. Continue on with your day. I mean, he should at least get the rest of the day off or something. (laughs) Good point. Okay. Again, some sloppy writing here. Uh, So from there, we cut to Cadmus. And uh, here, Supergirl finally learns that uh, Lena Luther's mom... Lillian. Lillian I wrote it down. All the L's. They clearly did not follow the writer's rules about giving all of your characters names that start with different letters so you can actually keep track of them. Lillian, Lena, and Lex. Luthor. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's running Cadmus, and I wrote down uh, that she's crazy mom. Yeah. Because, like, this whole vendetta is because Lex is in jail, Mm -hmm. and... Superman came to him years ago and said this world's gonna be a better place, and then Lex ends up in prison because of Superman. That's... Mm -hmm. That's Lillian's version that's, of everything. Yeah, that that's happened. Lillian's version. And and this is the point where like there's two sides of this, right? And and the one is she's a bad guy, she's doing bad things, and presumably Lex is also a bad guy and he's in jail. He better be a bad guy, mm-hmm. I agree. But um, you know, I mean people have their own perspective and they think they're doing the right thing. That doesn't make them right, but anyway, she's running uh Cadmus. She wants Supergirl to shoot her heat vision into a special helmet that will disperse the radiation because if she, quote unquote, solar flares, uh, she will flare out and she will temporarily lose her powers because it'll deplete this solar energy that she has essentially stored up in her body. I don't know if this is canon writing or if this is just a contrivance of the show. Once again, going back to kryptonite, it was stupid. Yeah, like if they had kryptonite, they could just like hold it up to her and slice her and, and do what they wanted to do, which was get her blood. Um, but she initially is like, well, I ain't going to do that. And then they haul off and shoot <laughs> Monel on the leg. Poor Monel. He just tries to do good things. And <laughs> he's just, just kicked like a puppy, yeah. essentially. I feel so bad I, for him. At this point, like, Monel is. Because he has a lead allergy. Yeah. So he, is he Fae? No. Dax, he... Daxamites have the same reaction to lead that Kryptonians have to Krypton. So he's a fairy, is what you're saying. Well, I he's mean. He's part of the Fae. Yeah, sure. He's part of the Fae. <laughs> that's me. All right. So long. <laughs> As long as I got that straight in my mind, I'm fine. Yeah. So Supergirl gives in because they threaten to kill Monel. Uh, and and yeah, she na- gives in to the demands, not even asking what the demands are. Right. You know, what are you going to make me do when I become powerless? I mean, I am sorry. I. When the you, bad guys have you, you, you don't. 
the, they clearly will do whatever they want to get what they want. Exactly. So you can't trust them to do anything they say they're going to do. Exactly. And you are a superhero. You are the superhero of this city and the world along with your cousin. And you're going to let this one person live, you know, your your friend, Mike, when who knows what they're going to do to you that could make millions of people die, you know? Right. It's essentially the, the negotiating with terrorists problem, right? Like, here's somebody that presumably you care about the individual, the needs of the one versus the needs of the many. And yeah. here she has chosen the needs of the one, somebody that she cares about to some degree and doesn't want to see hurt slash die. So she's willing to flare herself and make herself human again, essentially. Vulnerable, not again, but human and vulnerable. Uh, so she does it. Lillian literally slaps, slaps her, her mm-hmm. and she she turns her head back. Uh, Supergirl's got a bloody lip. And then we see her being strapped down to a table. And she's like, what are you doing? You promised that was part of the deal. You would you would save Monel." And at that point, I'm like, yeah, your whole, put, your whole previous argument. You are stupid. <laughs> it's just, I have nothing else. That's all I'm going to say on that part. You can continue talking however you want there, but you are stupid. No, I agree. Like, th- that whole scene, I was like, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I think this was... This was this scene was poorly written. This story story arc was was fairly poorly written, um, because it just you know you you got you got to be you go into shows like this, and clearly we need to have a, a willingness to suspend our disbelief to a certain degree, right? And that's fine, but that doesn't that willingness for me to believe that a person from another planet can fly and be bulletproof and shoot lasers from their eyes because our sun is a different color from their sun and emits different radiation doesn't give you a free license to write a bad story and to, to write poorly. So they take her blood. We have no idea what's going to happen with that blood because we cut back to Catco, but nobody's working because uh, Wynn is tracking down the machine gun vi- vigilante and he's been doing research. And I actually believe that Wynn... Um, has the skills to pull up information as opposed to Jimmy just finding out about this drug thing going down because Wynn can magically pound yes, on a computer and produce that. things. Genius but, takes time. But he actually explains his reasoning because he was looking for commonalities between the victims because what he noticed was when they're at the drug bust, the machine gun vigilante only killed one of the two people there. And he there was the dealer, the yeah, and the the buyer, and he mm-hmm. only killed one of the two, and not because he didn't have the opportunity to kill mm-hmm. both. So Wynn noticed this, thought, thought thought it was curious, did some research, finds out we have a dude who um, is killing people who have been able to essentially game the system and commit crimes, but get away with it because. This guy whose name is Philip Karnowski, his wife was killed and the killer got off mm-hmm. on some sort of evidence technicality. technicality. Right. So based on all of this, Wynn has somehow divined who the next victim is going to be. Cut to uh, the did deal. They say? No, they didn't say. They just say, I know who the next victim is going to be. And clearly their plan is to go as guardian and confront this dude. And try to take them out or figure out what's going down. There has to be hundreds, if not thousands, of people who get off on technicalities every day. But you you know that one person. Yeah, so, that, that part of it was you pretty know what? flimsy to me. I'm going to give that to Wynn. That, <laughs> You're giving that one it. to Wynn? He gets it. That's the only thing I'm letting fly on this show this time. All right. Cut to the DEO. They're actually doing the blood tests on Jean Jean's. 
Uh, and Alex says that all blood tests after the transfusion uh, were normal, but she says now your, quote, humo humatocrate, I have no idea yeah, what that is. I don't know what that is. Humatocrate levels are down. Medical people, put in the comments what it is, because yeah. we don't want to Google well, it. Well, I'm sure this is a made-up thing. Oh, maybe it's not. You don't know. But then we see, like, an image on the screen that's presumably his blood cells doing weirdo things. They're, like, eating other cells. Yeah. Cells are eating cells, it looks like. Yeah. Like, conquering them. Right. And Jean Jean's clearly sees what's happening here he and knows. knows. Yeah. And, and this is the point where he now knows that Megan is a white, a white Martian. Martian. Cut to the bar, and he is freaking out, and he is confronting Megan. He forces her to show her true form as he a white has, Martian. He has a, a hard-on for having people show their true selves or not tr- show them true selves. And I don't know. It's just, it's dorky to me. At, uh, am I being too mean? Well. he d- He's done this before. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing about this, right? On, on the one hand, like, my gut reaction to that, like, my initial unfiltered reaction was he was being a dick and he was being a jerk and he, he needed to, like, chill out. You know, it's been 300 some odd years since his race was, was uh, you know, Annihilated. all killed. Like, like, get over it, right? But... <laughs> That's then really bad when you say it exactly like that. right that's and that's exactly what my next thought <laughs> yeah, was it's like okay no. his entire race yeah. was exterminated his family was killed and here embodied in this single individual is the entirety of the race that wiped out his people i can see why you'd be a dick there right so i, I as much as we want him to do the right thing and not uh, want to kill slash maim slash hurt slash whatever Megan because Megan is legitimately trying to be a good person. She explains that she was the white Martian guard who tried to help them escape and, you know, uh, she didn't want to kill more innocents or whatever. He he refuses to hear that. He's in a blind rage and that's totally understandable. Um, but we don't even get that far because um, like after a very slight argument, you know, this bit of argument between the two of them, we cut to just some random warehouse and uh, we're having the vigilante throwdown where um, Wynn, because you gave it to him, yeah. was correct in, in knowing who the next victim was going to be. And uh, the Guardian is fighting with the machine gun vigilante. Is that later on? Oh, no, no I'm sorry. I to go to Cadmus and Supergirl's throwback yep, yep. in the snow. I jumped up too and far. And the, the only reason why I even know this is because I have more talkies. Why am I so bored? Yeah. No, you're right. I apologize. I jumped down in my notes. From uh, the bar, we go to Cadmus, and you're right, back in the cell, Supergirl is scared because she's vulnerable. So Because of course, she's human now? Yeah, because she gave up her powers on purpose uh, to save so Monel. Do we need to talk about that? Like, who still yeah. has a bullet in his leg because they didn't do what they quote-unquote so promised they would do. do. Surprise, surprise. Powers. I, I, I'm sure there's a, a whole rant about that right now, but I can't think of anything. You can't even? I can't you even. You can't? I can't you even. You can't even? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they have a little heart-to-heart, uh, and... Then all of a sudden, Daddy shows up, yeah. a.k.a. Jeremiah. Yeah, the person who we were going to presumably spend this entire season looking for mm-hmm. at the end of last season. He just shows up. He's Please. he's in, And this is something I don't understand. And again, this is some... Lazy writing? I don't know. Because our understanding was that the Cadmus had him, as in, like, he's a prisoner. Yeah. And... Like, doing tests on him, torturing right. him. Whatever. I, whatever. But he just walks up to the cage and lets them out. He's and got he a badge. Like a badge to, right. to do, to so go around the entire place. So he can do this. 
So he's somehow like a rogue agent in there. I don't know. I anyway, what, he's free to roam around Cadmus. I mean, come on. Yeah. What? what? I mean, and 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 the only good thing about it is was that that was Dean Kane, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. It was a different Superman. I'm pretty sure from Lois and Clark. Yeah. Yeah. He, he that's Dean Kane. A little, a little older and stuff. <laughs> of course, I, he's I, older. I think it was. Anyway, that and that was a fun little call out. But he he pull he springs Monel and Supergirl. He pulls the bullet out of Monel. And then he tells them essentially to leave, but he can't leave yet. He's like, I've been here for 15 years. I can survive another day. I was like, what? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that I don't that get at that all. at all. Right? Like, you know, have you been a rat in the walls just skulking around you it know, just, for 15 years? And like, if you were a rat in the walls skulking around, then you should be able to leave whenever you want. Especially if you have a key pass to get through the doors. Right? I don't. It doesn't what? make any sense. So I pray to God that the writers have something logical and sensible that explains this because like as of right double now double agent and it, he's acting like he's being al friendly but it's and not like they're not going to know who they are i mean if the they know pass. who they hank, know who yeah. used the key pass to let them out now well what i what i was going to say though if they have hank henshaw and they know hank henshaw's past and they know who jeremiah is mm-hmm. so it it, it that it makes didn't no sense make any sense at all right and Supergirl's like you can't you know um alex will kill me if she knew i found you and you know you stay here and blah 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 Right, but he stays. They leave, um, and then we're back to the bar, and we have this whole Martian throwdown that I was talking about earlier, where where they're fighting Martian to Martian, and Hank is, is John Johns is yelling, "Show your true self!" Yeah, and and, and they're they're and she's fighting. Like, Kill me if you want to. I am who I want to be. And she and and she transforms back into Megan, and basically she says, "This is who I am," mm-hmm. you know, in, in 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 as a way of saying like, "I am not." the people who killed you, all of that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, we cut then to the Rando warehouse where we're having the vigilante throwdown. Uh, they fight. There's a dude tied up to um, a barrel. A barrel. And this is this is an interesting moment, right? Because there's a break in the fighting and the machine gun vigilante points his gun at the guy and he says something. I don't remember what, but, you know, uh, the guy basically says, I got off, didn't I? And he sort of, you know, grins like, ha, 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 I'm the criminal who was able to murder somebody and get away with it or something like, like dude, that. dude, you are tied up. This guy has a machine gun. Right. Really? You're going to be saying that at this time? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he doesn't actually kill him because they're still fighting. Um, but his gun jams, a machine gun vigilante guns his it jams and then he, for some reason he pulls off his mask so that we can see that Wynn was right that that it's the guy that didn't make any sense I need at all to pull my mask off so i can see my gun better to unjam it there we go that's why he did it right and the cops show up well and the whole thing with this i mean there's a lot of fighting this is a huge fight scene right the camera twirling around them yeah i was gonna get sick i didn't like the yeah i didn't like the the um cinematography no, in that scene very that much either icky right um, so it wasn't a great fight scene. There was some explosions, like people flying around, stuff like that. But uh, the cops show up, and and Jimmy had... Oh, and I also have, too. Um, I, what the hell? When the Guardian is wearing his mask, he, ta- he talks like he's trying to be a self-help guru. <laughs> if you listen to what he's saying to him here, I mean, he wasn't quite Yoda, but, I mean, he was on his way. And I'm yeah. just like, uh, no, no more. I agree. I agree. So... They see that the Guardian isn't actually the one killing people, and they mm-hmm. see the other guy, and he's standing there. They got their guns drawn on him, and Alex is like, those cop those cop sirens are getting awful close. And Maggie says, uh, you should go, basically. 
And I have here is, why are they always together now? Why are Alex and Maggie always showing up at crime scenes together? This was not an alien thing. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. The Every only... time they come to a crime scene, they're always together. This this is not normal. Right. This is a good point. Now, I can see that Alex would be going there knowing that it's the Guardian, which means it's Jimmy. And I could see, in theory, the cops being called because of the explosions. But I agree that it doesn't make sense that they would arrive together. Mm-hmm. They're because always together. The t- yeah. Every single time. Right, you right. You know, at first it was because, you know, they need to get a love potential love hookup thing going on which is fine but now they don't need to be together at every scene you need to stop that <laughs> yeah we'll see what happens with that anyway uh guardian drives off and we cut to the deo and this is where i say this is where i like wrote down what i had already been thinking which is hank doesn't check in for a minute couple episodes ago and they totally mobilized where supergirl doesn't check in and they're all like you know Hey, everything's cool. But now they're finally mobilizing to try to find, you know, go to Cadmus and because Supergirl's back and she's like, you know, um, dad's there. Let's go get him. <laughs> hey, Alex. Yeah. He helped us escape. <laughs> right. But they go and and Cadmus is gone. Like it's it's empty. The warehouse, wherever they were, it's just empty. Okay. That's really fast. Cause they had a lot of stuff there. They had like cages that needed to be taken apart probably welding and stuff like that and everything is gone well presumably they have a whole lot of people a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's plausible you look at them put up a super bowl you know halftime show in like 15 minutes with an army of people so it is plausible and possible to do anyway uh we cut back to um the do megan is caged and Hank is, you know, just, being a douche. just, yeah, he's still angry and raging. And he's like, you know, I cage you so you could suffer for the rest of eternity, essentially. Jeez. And then we learn what I presumed the minute uh, we knew he was going to get a blood transfusion, which is that he is turning into a white Martian. Yeah. And as he walks away, you see his hand turn into like a three clawed white Martian claw for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to like this happy go lucky scene at Supergirl's apartment. Um, pizza, beer, everybody's all happy. Uh, Supergirl's like lasering up the food to heat it up, and Monel is there. And and this is where I'm sure you want to say something. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, they're heating up food. Cars heating up food, and they're watching TV about the Guardian. And um, James is like, I hate to say, I told you so. But that's not what we're laughing about. We're laughing about because all of a sudden, Monel, no, Kara flops onto the couch with Monel. And just the look that they gave each other and the words that they said, I'm like, they're going to be getting together. And then he goes on to say, he asks, Mike asks Wynn and Jimmy. Two two dudes two, who formerly crushed hard yeah. on, on Supergirl. I mean, even though he may not know that. I don't right. know if he knows he the doesn't. story. But he asks, is Kara mated to someone? Yeah. Is he, she latched. Yeah. Yeah, latched was the word he, he used. Said, I thought he said mated too there. I think he did, yeah. He said, is she mated uh, on Daxum? You know, we had arranged marriages and you would be latched, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as he asked that, yeah. I mean, even before he I asked that. I could just that, feel you raging about it. I was. <laughs> I'm like, mm. Yeah. I feel like. That's a relationship that weakens the show. I don't think it serves. I no. don't think it serves the show, especially again, like you said before. She dropped 
Jimmy to at find the beginning. Herself yeah, just, and what now, now she's going to hook up with Mike. Right. I mean, come on. Now, now to be fair, at this point, it's Mike crushing on her. We don't know if she's reciprocating those feelings, although you can see what could be interpreted as hints of that throughout the the scenes that they've had together. So I hope it doesn't go in that direction. It's but going to. I had the same reaction and that I'm you not did. Pleased about it. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, one other thing that happened in that scene was that Maggie shows up and wants to talk about Alex, and and she used some interesting language here because um, she says to to Alex that she cares about her, and and she's I care about you. A I lot. care about you a lot. Um, she doesn't say it explicitly, but it's implicit. It's implied that she has feelings of some kind for Alex. Mm-hmm. And she says that she wants to be friends. But she also says, you know, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but to the effect of, you know, I can't imagine my life without you in it. Um, now, she said that. And then it was after that she says, you know, I want to be friends or I want us to be friends. So I found that to be a really interesting conversation because I feel like there's still a possibility that that relationship could happen. And I mean, I like that idea because like we said earlier, the the writing on Alex's development and her coming out and this whole thing has been, in my opinion, superb. Like it's been the best storyline throughout this season so far. And this seems like a plausible development in that kind of a relationship, right? Because I can I can see from on one hand, I can see from Maggie's point of view that you don't want to get involved with somebody who is, quote unquote, fresh off the boat in terms of coming out and, and you know, being a gay person, even though I also feel like that's a bit of a cop out. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if you like someone, you like someone. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anything. Yeah. How fresh they are, yeah, whatever the what case may be. What they look like, whatever. Right. So I, I, I want to know where they're going to go with this. I really hope that, that this is not the end of... Alex's um, personal relationships and personal developments and and her, you know, being a gay character and having that play a significant role. If now they're just friends and we don't see anything about Alex and dating and dealing with her feelings and all of this other stuff, I will be sad and I will be a bit upset because, again, it's been really superbly done. And I think it's really added a lot to Supergirl and to the show. I agree 100 percent. Yeah. And the parting shot on that is uh, Alex says to Maggie, pool tomorrow night. And she goes back into the apartment and Maggie leaves. And then we have a snowy tundra. The Fortress of Solitude. Exactly. And Cyborg Superman walks into the fortress with Supergirl's blood. And the... That little air robot's like, stop, right? We'll kill you. Right, right. And he threatens like, you know, three times, unidentified, you know, a being. Um, I will annihilate you. Uh, and then, and this again, crap writing. Yeah. Seems totally implausible to me. Uh, but he breaks cyborg Superman breaks the vial. No pours, pours it onto his hand, pours Kara's blood on his hand and then puts his palm on some sort of a console thing. And it activates and presumably because of her blood identifies him as Kara Zor-El. Okay. I don't recall ever in any previous Superman movies where Superman had to cut his hand and give blood in order to have it activated. Do you recall that ever? No, no, okay. he just walked in. Um, and second of all, I would think this advanced planet would have um, 
fingerprint recognition, <laughs> handprint recognition, DNA recognition. I mean, sure. Biometric scanning. Something. You know, I mean, I know the blood has 3D DNA in it. body modeling since they can do holograms of their, you know, yeah. people that are dead. So, I mean, I would think that they would have like a combination and not just putting blood, you know? I mean, I would think it would be your handprint. Right. And like I said, I've never seen Superman cut himself before. And how do they know about the Fortress of Solitude? Yeah. Like, that's that's something that I'm unclear about, too. So this 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 smacks of lazy writing. Uh, but the end is after the Fortress of Solitude is activated, Cyborg Superman wants all information on Medusa, which is what uh, Kara's aunt had been working on prior to her being killed. Yeah. So this thing is still up. And, and this is essentially the zombification, zombification slash mind control of the entire human race to, quote unquote, save the human race from mm-hmm. itself. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. So. Didn't like it. I think it's pretty clear what our feelings were on this episode. Uh, and it seems like we're on a TikTok cycle where yeah. we have. Better, the next isn't. Yeah. A good episode and then a not so great episode. Uh, I stand by what I said earlier. They're packing too much story into these some of these episodes. And if they thinned out the storylines and beefed up the really good ones, I think it would be much better. Or you could do it, you know, it, it, you don't even have to drop all of the storylines. But just don't pack every storyline into every episode like you did here. Like last you know, week. And why with these <clears throat> shows, Flash and Arrow, maybe not Arrow, but Flash and... Other superhero shows. Why do you have to have a, a monster of the week every week? Why do you have to have that? You know, there's so much going on. Why can't you have some without it? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, on the one hand, it makes a little bit of sense because, I mean, life goes on, right? It doesn't stop for whatever the big bad is. And, you know, the petty crime sort of stuff, as an example, right, is going to happen on a daily basis. So it and that way you could you can have your sort of monster of the week. And and I mean this week, like Supergirl didn't really have a monster of the week. I mean, it was Cadmus that she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um But Jimmy did, and that was like Well, Jimmy didn't even really I mean he did. Yeah, it was another was like yeah, the vigilante. A third of the show. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. And um, I mean I know they had to have it this week because Jimmy is new to the Guardian. Right. Or I can't even do it. My <laughs> I'm still sick and my it's all yucky. But the Guardian. Yeah. I mean you know, so I mean I I know that, but at the same time, I mean, why? Why do you need to have a you know, a L- bad guy every week? Right. Like last week like if you wanted to give the Guardian storyline the time that it deserved this week, then maybe all of Hank Jean Jean's actual storyline should not have been in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like last week, we didn't have any Hank. Um, I mean, I don't even remember if he was in the episode at all. If he was, it was very, very briefly. Is that horrible? I don't remember. Um, last week you know, and and this week he played a bigger <laughs> role, right? Yeah. But to the detriment of these other stories, in my opinion. So maybe that waited another episode, and after this whole Guardian thing got sorted out, and we understand, okay, the Guardian's a good guy. And he's actually a good guy and whatever. Then next week, we can deal with this whole Hank, White Martian, White Martian blood in your system thing. 
And the Guardian can be in the episode, right? But maybe he's just like running an assist on whatever Supergirl's dealing with in that episode or something like that. I just think it's too heavy. There's too heavy by meaning there's too many stories, there's too much stuff, and the, the writing's getting sloppy. So let us know what you think about this episode and this season in general. Uh, this clearly is not as good a season as the first. Um, and I, I mean, I well, still it's still early. I mean, it, I, I agree. I'm not giving up. I mean, I, I still want to see the show really succeed and be great. But the dynamic that existed in the first season is clearly changed because like we lost cat, um, you know, and, and all these other things have changed. But let us know what you guys think. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Heniatis and Kim at K Heniatis. You can comment on the post on purefandom.com. Make sure to tune in to Supergirl every Monday night and then check out out super talk and get our thoughts on each episode on Wednesdays. Bye.